I wasn't sure whether to call today's sermon an off-the-cuff or a traditional sermon, because a traditional sermon is where I know exactly what I'm going to talk about, I have my main points prepared, my applications, my illustration, all set and ready to go. And my off-the-cuff series is really the opposite of that, where I just pick a passage of scripture that I want to talk about, and I read through it and just talk about it as I go without having anything prepared at all. And today's message is kind of in the middle of those two things because I've read through the passage and I've looked at uh, certain things that I want to talk about, but I don't really have any illustrations or main applications that I want to get through. So even though I've had a little bit more time to prepare, it's really going to feel a lot more like an off-the-cuff. So I'm calling it an off-the-cuff. But with all that in mind, today is Mother's Day, a time where we celebrate all of the moms in our lives um, that have raised us through our best times and definitely through our worst of times. And so what I wanted to do today was to pick a mom from the Bible to talk about or at least a woman to talk about. I wanted to pick somebody. And I looked through uh, different of the women of the Bible, and I decided that today I'm going to talk about Hannah. And Hannah's story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah is the mother of, you know, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but the mother of uh, Samuel, who becomes one of the greatest prophets to ever live. And that was the prophet that anointed uh, king David, who uh, before he was king, slayed Goliath, probably one of the most well-known uh, stories of, Bi- of the Bible. It's David and Goliath, and Samuel was the prophet that anointed David to be king of Israel. And this is the story about Samuel's mother. <clears throat> so let's read through it together, and I'll just highlight certain things about this story that I think are noteworthy and um worth paying attention to as it relates to how we live our own life. So this is 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, There was a certain man from Ramathane, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other, Penina. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shelah, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, "'Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat?' Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? So already we see the kind of terrible position that Hannah is in. She's married to Elkanah, who has another wife, Penina. 
And Panina has children. She has many sons, many daughters. Hannah has had no children at all. She is barren. And every time they get together for this feast, year after year, Panina provokes Hannah. She makes fun of Hannah. Oh, look at all the many children I have, and you don't have any. And year after year after year, Hannah has to deal with this. But herein we see the first thing that I want us to notice about Hannah. She is in this terrible situation through no fault of her own. It's not her fault that she can't have children, but she's not able to. And even though we kind of, it sounds like from this passage that Hannah and Panina kind of live separately from each other, even though they're both married to Elkanah, that they still come together at least once a year where Hannah gets made fun of. So why does Hannah keep going year after year? It's because Hannah respects her husband Elkanah, respects his faith, and wants to be supportive of him and his faith. And because of that, she is willing to go with him year after year after year to worship and sacrifice to God with Elkanah because she is his wife. She doesn't say, well, it's uncomfortable for me to go there because Panina makes fun of me. Panina puts me down. She doesn't let what Panina is doing to her prevent her from doing what she knows to be right as far as it relates to her and Elkanah. She continues to go and support him year after year after year, even though it causes her so much pain to do so. That is noteworthy. Let's continue in verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. So here we have Hannah finally having enough. She's tired of this situation. But she doesn't just take matters into her own hand and um, do something against Panina or her children. She doesn't go out and attack Panina. She doesn't uh, leave Elkanah in search of another husband. Um, Not that that would really help her out um, in this situation much at all, but she doesn't just run away from this situation. Instead, what she does is she takes this situation this trouble she has that's outside her control, and she goes and takes it to God. She takes it before the Lord and prays, God, will you please notice me? See what kind of life I am living and remember me. Give me a son. So she doesn't just bottle up the trouble inside of her anymore. 
And she doesn't try to take matters into her own hands of uh, getting revenge against Panina or running away from this situation. Instead, she takes her troubles to God because there's really nothing she can do about it, nothing that would fix the problem. Anything she could do would just be running away from the problem. She realizes the only way to deal with it, truly deal with it, is to give it to God, which is what she does. And then we see in verse 12, As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Now I'll stop there, because I love how this, con- how this contrasts with the way that the Pharisees would pray in the New Testament, where the Pharisees would go and stand on the street corner and pray loudly so that everyone who was around could hear their prayers and see how righteous they were. Hannah's prayers are very much the opposite of that, where she is praying solely to God, and it's a conversation that's taking place between her heart and God's heart that she doesn't even find the need to speak the words out loud. She's not praying to other people. She's not praying for the benefit of other people, and she's not praying to be heard by other people. She is praying only to God. And because of that, she finds no reason to speak out loud at all. Now, of course, this is different than if you were leading other people in prayer or praying as a group of people with one person leading out in prayer, that's different than praying in a way to be heard by other people. And one of the things that have bothered me over the years is when I see people post their prayers on social media. Now, I'm not saying when they ask for prayer, when they say, hey, I'm going through this difficult time, will you please pray for me? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when people literally are praying to God, but they post their prayer on Facebook or on any other social media. But Facebook is just the one that comes to mind the most. Because the whole point of Facebook and social media is to connect with other people. And so when I see people posting their prayer on Facebook, it is so revealing that that prayer is meant to be seen by other people. And that's not how prayer should be. Prayer should not be uh, spoken out so that other people can see that you pray or other people can hear your prayers and hear your troubles, especially when it's meant to be between you and God. Again, it's different if you're leading people in prayer. It's different if you're asking for prayer. But Hannah realized that what she was praying was between her and God, and she didn't even utter any words. And so, uh, the rest of verse 13 says, Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. 
Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And I'll stop there again because this is uh, really kind of a comical thing that happens, that she's sitting there praying but not speaking out loud. So Eli, the priest, sees her and thinks, oh, um, she must be drunk. She's acting crazy. And she, he says that to her, and he even kind of scorns her of, why are you getting so drunk? You know, get rid of your wine, and, and scorns her and corrects her. And I think that if any of us had been in that situation, we would have been really upset. Here she was pouring out her heart to God about something that deeply troubled her. And Eli comes in and totally misunderstands her and even corrects her when she wasn't doing anything wrong. I think if many of us were in that situation, we would lash back against Eli. Say, you don't know what you're talking about. How dare you come in and say something that's not even true. I'm sitting here pouring out my heart to God, and you come in telling me that I'm drunk. You don't know what the situation's going on. You don't understand what's going on. How dare you try to speak something? How foolish you look for doing so. I think many of us, even though we wouldn't use those exact words, that's what our attitude would be, and that some of what we say would convey that attitude. And yet we don't see Hannah say anything like that. Instead, the way she responds to him is still very respectful. Not so, my lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. She speaks to him respectfully. Even when she is misunderstood by someone else. Even though she's greatly troubled, she is not trying to stir up more trouble. Even when she was misunderstood by one of God's priests, she did not lash out against him. She understood that he was still a priest of God. And just because he made a mistake, just because there was a misunderstanding, didn't change the position that he held. And so she would keep her attitude in check and still speak to him respectfully. I think that says a lot about the kind of character and spirit that Hannah had. So after she says this in verse 17, says, Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Now something really interesting here is that she was dealing with these troubles, and that's what led to her not eating and her face being downcast. And here we have Eli tell her, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And then she goes, and she eats, and her face is no longer downcast. And that is really interesting to me, because she has not received an answer from prayer in that moment. She has not been granted a son yet. And yet something changed within her that led from her not eating to eating, from being downcast to not being downcast. 
And it's what Eli says, go in peace. And so she is able to receive that peace in her life that affects the way that she lives before she even received the answer to her prayer. See, it wasn't the answer that she needed to have that peace in her life. All she needed for that peace was to know that God had heard her. And once she knew that she had been heard by God, she could have that peace. Remember, this was at a time before the sacrifice of Jesus, before Jesus Christ paid the price of our sin, and so that sin still separated people from God. And so people would have to go through the prophets, and God would have to speak through the prophets to the people because of that separation of sin. That was the world that Hannah was living in. And so what a relief it was for her simply to know that her troubles had been heard by God. And what a relief that can be for each and every one of us who don't live in that same kind of world. We live in a new world, in a new covenant, where God hears all of our prayers. Because of the price that Jesus paid for our sin, we no longer have to have that sin separating us from God. So anyone who prays is heard by God. And what peace we should be able to take from that in our own life Even if our prayer isn't answered, just knowing that God sees us and he hears us, that should bring us peace, as it brought Hannah peace as well. So then we continue, verse 19. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So, in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When the man Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. So here we see Hannah being remembered by God and having her prayer answered. And after that prayer was answered, she didn't just go back to living her life as she normally did. Nor did she say, I am going to keep what God has given to me. Instead, she said, that promise that I made to God, I will keep. Because God has shown his faithfulness to me in hearing my prayer and granting my request, I will remain faithful back to God as well. And you could look um, at how that parallels the story of the ten lepers, uh, lepers that Jesus healed all ten of them, and only one came back and thanked him and gave him praise for it. 
how rare it is sometimes that when we receive an answer for prayer, when we receive a blessing from God, that we don't so quickly forget where that blessing came from. And we remember to go back to God and thank Him for what He has given us instead of just continuing on with our life. Hannah didn't just continue on with her life. She remained faithful to the promise that she made. Verse 24, After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. It really is so incredible to me what Hannah does. Because the reason her life was so troubled was because she was not able to have a child. And she prays for God to give her a child. And in that prayer, she tells God, if you give the child to me, if you give me a child, I will give the child to you. And after God does bless her with a child, she follows through and actually gives Samuel to the temple to be raised there in service to God. What an incredible show of faith to take the blessing that she received from God, realize that it came from God, and give that blessing back to him. Because when God blesses us, I think our first reaction is to keep that blessing for ourselves. After all, we asked for it, God heard our prayers, God gave it to us. If God gave it to us, surely he gave it for us to have. And so we keep that blessing, and it's our blessing, and we hold on to it. And that blessing could be anything from a financial blessing to a family blessing, an emotional blessing. It could even be a blessing in different gifts that he has given to us. And we're so quickly to take what he gives us and to hold on to it, instead of holding it with an open hand and saying, you know, I would not have this at all if not for the grace of God. And so I want to make sure that whatever is done with this, that God has the say in what's done with it, rather than me having the say in what's done with it. The only reason I have it is because it came from God, so I'm going to let God do with it what he wills. I will continue to give that control to him. That's what Hannah does. She takes the blessing she received from God and gives it back to him. And that is just so incredible to me, that she is willing to do that. You see, Hannah realized not only was Samuel's life, that life she had been given, not only did that life not belong to her, and it belonged to God, 
but also her own life did not belong to her, but belonged to God. She was not capable of having children through her own power. And it brought her so much grief, but there was truly nothing she could do about it. And so she chose to go to God and say, God, I place this in your hands. And when she did that, she was showing a faith of placing her entire livelihood in God's hands. And even after God gives her that blessing of a son, she recognizes that that son is not hers to keep. But just as she promised, she gives it back to God. And the amazing thing is, she didn't have to promise that. She didn't have to promise God that she would give Samuel back to him. She could have simply prayed that God would give her a son. And maybe she would give God more sacrifices. She would give God more worship. She would give God all these other things. But she made the decision that she would give to God what God gave to her. That she would give Samuel back to him. She recognized that Samuel's life was not hers to keep. She recognized that her life was not her own but that it was to be given back to God. That her life came from God, and the way her life went needed to be given back to God. So I think throughout this whole story, the main thing that I want us to see from this and from Hannah's faith is how her faith teaches us that our life also belongs to God. Our life is not our own. It is a gift that God has given to us. And without God, we would have no life at all. And that is why we should take that gift that God has given to us and place it back into God's hands. Say, do with this what you will. This is your life. It's a life you've given to me, and I will do everything I can within my power to handle it responsibly, to be a good steward of what you have given to me. So to the best of my ability, I will do good with what you have given to me. But ultimately, it belongs to you. That is the attitude that we should have. That is the attitude that Hannah shows us in Scripture. It's something to always remember. Hannah was a mother that was willing to give back to God. And I pray that we can all take that lesson to heart in our own lives. So this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. I hope you've enjoyed it, especially on this Mother's Day. If you're a mother out there, I can only imagine the kind of grace it took to put up with your children. I'm not a parent yet, but I know what my parents had to go through in dealing with me as a child, and it they sure showed me a lot of grace. So if you're a mother out there, um, I pray an extra special blessing upon you. But I hope each and every person out there enjoyed this message. 
Uh, if you have any questions or comments about it, you can always contact me through the Facebook page or through zoominginthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share this with other people to get the message out there. So thank you for listening, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout the rest of your week. Thank you.